Well, praise the Lord, child of God. This is Pastor Jerry coming to you at the Word of God. Once again, always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word of God. We're so grateful that you're connecting with us, praise God, whether it be through audio, through video. We're just grateful you're connecting with us. So once again, we're going to kind of dive right into the series, praise God. We've been talking about possessing our promised land. And of course, if you remember, we've been uh, every, pretty much every week been reading out of Joshua 1 in the first part from verses 1 through 9. And we've been taking uh, little keys out of every verse about, uh, just really about keys that were given to Joshua to possess that promised land. If you remember, the first uh, generation did not go in and possess the land. Moses and the, that, that generation of, uh, of children of Israel were roaming around in a wilderness because of some, uh, you know, some things that happened. And uh, they did not get to go in and possess that promised land. So now Joshua takes over the next generation. And uh, 40 years later, and basically has a word from God and what he's supposed to do uh, in to lead this people in to possess their land. So we took uh, a key primarily out of every verse uh, that was, uh, you know, just showed us how to possess our promised land. In fact, you remember, we're all called to possess our promised land, so to speak. Um, you know, the Lord called the promised land the uh, land that flowed with milk and honey. Jesus called it uh, the abundant life. Paul called it the life of God. Um, also, he talked about the, uh, you know, eternal life in the sense of the quality of life that you're called to possess. Amen. Now, we're, we all have a promised land to possess, praise God. And so there are keys in how to do that. Scripture also is real clear in uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. It says that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen or so be it. Now, remember, the word promise, so we're talking about a promised land or promises that you're called to in this life. The word promise is defined as an expressed assurance on which our expectation is to be based. So something that has been expressed, something that has been either spoken or recorded, written down, amen, for you and me, praise God, and knowing that that, that promise, all these promises are yes and amen. You notice he didn't say no. Or maybe he said yes and amen. Now, of course, this word is filled with promises. Uh, many of those who have taken the time to count it, to go through it little by little and step by step, and one at a time, uh, they've said there's anywhere between seven and 10,000 promises in the word that deal with all areas of our life. Now, the scripture also says in Hebrews 8 and 6, we'll kind of go over these a couple, uh, again. Hebrews 8 and 6 says, that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Now, again, covenant, right here, you have your covenant, okay? This consists, this B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, consists of what we refer to as the old covenant and the new covenant, okay? The word covenant in itself means a will or testament. In fact, a lot of times that's what it's referred to, the testament, New Testament, Old Testament, or the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ, many times re, uh, referred to as. Amen. So it's a will or a testament, but it means a contract that contains writings that are, that have, uh, that are of, of agreements and promises that have been made. So what you have here is a covenant, amen, or covenants here that record promises okay, and agreements that have been made to you and me. Now, that's all necessary because that's all part of your promised land that you're called to possess, amen. I know every week we kind of go over this a little bit, 
The scripture also tells us in Hebrews, in chapter 6 and verse 12, that through faith and patience you inherit those promises. In other words, through your believing and your confidence in, and then your faith and patience, which means uh, everything from endurance or consistency or constancy, amen, in other words, sticking with it, so you're believing and sticking with it, amen, you then inherit those promises, all right? Later on in chapter 10 of uh, Hebrews, it brings this out in verse 36, that you have need of endurance, which is that same uh, root word as, as patience or constancy, okay? And it, mean, it says that so that after you have done the will of God, amen, you may then receive your promise or the promise, whatever it is you're standing for. Now, I said all that because, see, you have a promised land. You have promises throughout the Word of God that deal with your everyday living, amen, promises for you and for me that are yes and amen in this covenant, praise God, amen, in this, uh, in a sense, this will and testament, this contract that has been recorded for you and me that shows forth uh, not only promise but also agreements that have been made can, uh, from the Lord. Now, the reason I stand on all that because we're talking about possessing that. So we took several weeks and talked about how, you know, the keys that he gave Joshua to possess that land, and, and we took note, and we, we gleaned what we could out of that, amen. I'm sure there's more to glean, but we, we took several weeks on that. Last week, I began to talk about the hindrances to possessing that promised land. I want to call them roadblocks, amen, so promised land roadblocks. And the first one we talked about was in, uh, again, back in Joshua 1, and we talked about fear. And so he let it be known, listen, this, he's commanding him to not yield to fear, all right? You cannot, uh, you know, be afraid or be dismayed. Uh, and he kind of really hammered on that. And so we kind of took the time, went back, and we, we looked at the different ways that the enemy could instill fear in a believer's life uh, concerning, uh, you know, possessing your promised land. We talked about uh, the fear of the unknown, okay, what that means, the fear of death, the fear of man, and I believe the last one we talked about was the fear of failure, all right? Sometimes that's a thing. You know, we get, you know, we get uh, concerned about are we going to make another mistake? Are we going to, you know, so what happens? Fear holds you back. Insecurities, all kinds of panic, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, timidity. We talked about uh, different things that deal with fear. So fear was the first roadblock that we dealt with. The next several roadblocks we're going to talk about over the next you know, a couple weeks, whatever it is, amen, is going to be out of the book of Hebrews. So that's where we're going to start today, the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, please. Hebrews and chapter 3, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And probably over the next several weeks, we're going to, uh, we're going to talk out of Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 because it gives us some keys about um, what held back that first generation from entering into their promised land, okay? And so we have some very uh, straightforward keys here that we're going to take, a, or I should say roadblocks, probably a better way to say it, amen, so with some things that hinder us from receiving or entering into our promised land. So I'm just going to, uh, for sake of time, verse 7, of course, it's dealing with the children of Israel, uh, that first generation, and it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, now this is a quote out of Psalms here, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Okay, so he's talking about those children of Israel, that first generation. 
in the day of trial in the wilderness, okay, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, all right, and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. We're talking about that promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey. All right. So in this reference, he calls it the rest. Okay. So entering into that rest. And really what that just refers to is stress-free living. Okay. When you're talking about your promised land, it should be a land that's not, you know, flowing with milk and honey, that abundant life, that life of God, but it's a stress-free life, all right? Anyway, that's key there. But let's let's back up here because we're going to look at something. It says, verse 8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, okay? Because this, this is what happened was they hardened their heart, but this is going to affect pretty much all the areas here. But And it is something that we will come back to as the series moves on here. Uh, and deal some more with it, but I kind of wanted to define it here to kind of move into what we're going to do today. Uh, the word harden here, to harden a heart, means to render stubborn, <laughs> okay? To render stubborn or to make hard, stiff, or tough, and of course, it's dealing with in a wrong sense, okay? Uh, you know, so he's dealing with this, this isn't a good thing here, what he's talking about. So, uh, but it's also defined as something like, uh, at times like calloused, maybe at times unfeeling, unreachable, unyielding. That kind of fits in a little bit. And I, like I said, as we kind of get through this and go through this series, we're going to maybe kind of define that and kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Uh, but it says here, that do not harden your heart, okay, okay, the core, the center, okay, and that's going to be kind of important here, uh, in the, in, uh, pardon me, as in the rebellion. So let me read it again. Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. The word rebellion here, uh, provocation, uh, upheaval, irritation, agitation, but it means that which is uh, insubordinate or non-compliant, okay? And that's what happened when they became that, okay? Um, and so that's that's what's going on here, all right? I want to say this before I move on, okay? The thing we need to understand about that first generation, uh, you know, they did not enter into their rest. They did not enter into that promised land, okay, uh, for multiple reasons. But you have to keep this in mind, okay, that the heathen nations, Okay, that they went up against when that second generation went in. It was not the heathen nations that defeated this first generation. Okay, you, you just got to keep that in mind. Okay, they defeated themselves based on their own choices and decisions. Okay, that's very key. Okay, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, you, know, you know, moving forward in the things of God, you know, sometimes we become our worst, our own worst enemy, you know. And uh, this is going to kind of come clear here in some of this. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not making light of what the enemy can do and the, and the torment and the things that the enemy, uh, you know, the manipulation, deception, all the things that he does. We're not making light of any of that. But, but in some of the things we're going to see here today, these were choices that they made, okay, that hurt themselves, okay. And they, because of it, it, it became then a roadblock, okay, to keep them out of their promised land. All right, so if you read down a little further now, uh, verse 9, uh, it says this. It says, where your fathers tested me and tried me. Now, that's going to be key because that's going to come out again here today. And saw my works 40 years, so we know who we're talking to. Verse 10, therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, now, this was the, this was the problem here. Okay, this is, again, maybe we could say the next roadblock, okay, at least I felt in my heart this would be 
the next roadblock we're going to talk about, and it just said this, and this is what God said, they always go astray in their heart, okay, uh, and they have not known my ways, and so I swore they shall not enter my rest. But he said that they didn't enter in because, all right, this is what he said, they did not enter in because they always, always go astray in their heart. And it didn't talk about like a momentary thing here, a little slip up here, and he's not talking about some little, you know, uh, you know a bad day, uh, a bad moment. Uh, you know, this, you know, we just had a, uh, you know, we slipped up and did something, said something, uh, reacted a certain way. He's not talking about some momentary thing. He says they always, that was their problem, okay, they continually did this. They always, I hope I'm stressing that enough for you here, they always went astray in their heart, okay? So let's start defining this. The word astray here means to cause to roam from safety, okay? Or to roam from truth or virtue. It means to be, uh, to deviate, okay, or be distracted or sidetracked, because that's going to kind of maybe be key right there, okay? So things that started uh, to cause their heart to deviate, it means also to be seduced and deceived, okay? They were seduced and, de- and deceived, so as a result then, their heart strayed. Okay, their heart strayed. Let's, uh, let's look at a couple other references, and I'll come back. Put your finger there in Hebrews 3 because we'll come back to it. But let's go to Psalm 78. Um, <clears throat> Psalms 78. And um, really, this, this whole psalm is about that generation and the things uh, that happened, okay? And uh, now we're probably not going to take the time to read through all of it, so I'm just going to grab key verses here and there to kind of make our point and move on. But you, you know, maybe in your time of study, you can go back through Psalm 78 and read through it. Uh, but let's look at like uh, verse 8, and it just says this, uh, talking about the children of Israel, said, said, and, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and, here we go, rebellious generation. There it is again. All right, a generation, here we go, that did not, this is here, here he is, they did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So they did not set their heart right, says in, in this text, okay? And back in Hebrews, it says they went astray in their heart. Here it says, okay, their heart, okay, uh, was not set, okay, which is really saying the same thing, but kind of but maybe from a different angle. But it said that word set there means established or to be fixed, to stand firm. It refers to things like being prepared or preparation or to make ready uh, or to have, uh, even spells out provision or speaks of provision, okay. But the bottom line is the heart was all over, but they didn't, they didn't keep things stable and set. They didn't keep their heart going in the right, in the same direction. Okay. They were all over the map. Okay. All right. Psalms 78 also, let's go to like verse, let's maybe verse 37 of the same chapter. It says that for their heart, okay, was not steadfast with him. In other words, they didn't keep their heart steadfast. This word steadfast is actually the same word that's used in verse eight as the word set. Okay. The the Hebrew word is kun. Uh, K-U-W-N, Kuhn, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's the same exact word here in verse 37, 
uh, steadfast. So that's another way it's, it's worded here or defined as something steadfast. It says, with him. In other words, they didn't keep their hearts set or steadfast with him. They were all over the map here. So uh, it says, nor were they faithful, here we go, in his covenant. There's that word faithful again that was used in both verses again. And that word, of course, means to be true, uh, to believe or be certain of or sure, have assurance. Um, but it means to be permanent or even again uses the word continuance, okay, which is, uh, you know, something we've been talking about too over this series a little bit, okay, staying, you know, staying constant, okay. So they were not consistent or constant. They were not faithful, okay. They were all over the map. Their heart was all over the map, okay. And so uh, it just comes down to this, okay. They, they, uh, uh, they were not letting their heart, pardon me, they, they continually allowed their heart, here we go, to deviate from God. Let's hope that's another kind of another way of saying it. They deviated or, like I said, distracted, sidetracked. What was another word we used earlier? Um, uh, they uh, roamed from where they should be. Now they're, their heart's roaming somewhere else. You got to kind of see all this, okay? Their heart, okay? Their core, their center. Okay, so both the Old Covenant text, the New Covenant text says that in their heart they deviated Okay, they were sidetracked or distracted. They didn't stay locked on to God. Okay, and we're going to kind of talk about that today. All right, so if you, if you recall, Matthew uh, 6 and 21, kind of a common verse, uh, but it says that um, uh, for where your treasure is, I believe it's how it's worded, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the word treasure means uh, deposit or what you place value on. But what it refers to, um, is what you continually give your attention to because what you value, you continually give attention to it. And then, see, it, it, it's not only you, uh, you know, giving attention to it, but now it starts to put deposits. Come on, you start treasuring it. Now, the problem is then that's where your heart is. So you have to understand that's a, it's a principle, okay? So what happened with the children of Israel, they constantly allowed other things and we're going to talk about some of those things. Um, they let other things begin uh, to sidetrack them, distract them, and pretty soon they begin to place more value on all that instead of him on the Father. So what happened was their heart was all over the map. So remember now, this is a roadblock, okay, a problem, a hindrance to receiving your promised land. They did not enter in because they always, uh, always went astray in their heart, okay? So we have to understand that and, and catch hold of that because sometimes we may, not be, we may not be entering into the full promises that we're called to because maybe we're all over the map. Maybe we're not locked on, steadfast, set, come on, faithful, all right? Stay locked on uh, to him. Instead, we're kind of all over the map. So um, with that said, let's go back to the New Covenant. Uh, we, we will get back to Hebrews here in a second. Uh, but uh, let's see here. Well, maybe we, I was hoping we would, but maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see here. Uh, let's, go to, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. I think that's what I'm going to do next. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. Again, talking about the children of Israel. Uh, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, 
And let's go like verse 5 and read about half a dozen verses here. It says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. And we're talking about that first generation that did not enter in. Okay, hang on. He was not uh, well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. If you remember, they all ended up dying in the wilderness, that first generation. Verse 6, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play, nor, so he's he's listing some things, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, uh, and in one day 23,000 fell or died. Okay, there's all the stories. You go back to covenant, you can see all that in the old covenant. Verse 9, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted, in other words, tempted God, Okay, so he's given us warning about all this. As they tempted God, they were then destroyed by fiery serpents. Okay, we know that. We see that in uh, the Old Covenant there. Verse 10, nor complain as some of them also complained, okay, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things, now he's, listen, listen, he's wrapping this up. All these things happened to them, okay, as examples and were written for our admonition or teaching or instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, okay, these are some things that their heart, okay, when they went, their heart went astray, these were some areas that began major distractions to them that caused them to stray or to roam from God in their hearts, okay? And he says, we're called to look at these things, okay, as an example, learn from so we don't give, give heed to them. Because we could give heed to a lot of these things. So let's back up and take a look at some of these things. Okay, so let's go back here to um, verse 6. All right, verse 6. And it says, now these things uh, became our examples to the intent that we should, here we go, not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Okay, so let's just define it. Okay, the word lust here means or to lust after, means to crave, to desire, uh, to covet, to long for uh, something. But it also means to set the heart upon or to set a course for. To set the heart upon or to set a course for it. Now listen, our lives are controlled by what we give attention to, what we focus on. Okay, now That's maybe another sermon, but this really fits in this because when you talk about your heart now roaming and now your heart being swayed, okay, where you are, uh, you know, uh, going astray, I think is actually the word it used there in Hebrews, okay, your heart goes astray unto all these other things, no longer remain locked on to God because of what we begin to give our attention to, begin to value more so than Him, okay, so we begin to, you know, draw on that, look at that, stay locked onto that, and pretty soon, okay, like he said, you always go astray in your heart. And as a result of it, you did not enter in, okay? So we're seeing here that a big part of it was they lusted after, it says here, evil things, okay? So they, their heart went after, it says here, evil things, okay? So... That just means something worthless, just a lot of the synonyms here, worthless, wicked, evil, or bad, or negative things, okay? But it refers to that which is harmful, adverse, or injurious, 
okay? Something that could bring injury or damaging, okay? So in other words, they, they're yielding to things that bring harm to them, okay? And it's referring to their uh, temptations of things that bring uh, destruction or damage to their lives. They continually go back to that stuff that always ends up destroying them, okay? And so that's what he's referring to. You are constantly lusting after or you're letting your heart go after those things that always destroy you. Instead of keeping locked on to God, you constantly go back to those things that, that kill you off, those things that destroy your lives, that destroy your families, your marriages, your whatever, you know. So you have to think about this in the area of whatever it is you're standing on, whatever promises you're standing on. If your heart's constantly going after things that destroy that or, you know, become, you know, a negative thing in your life that, that holds you back, okay, so uh, you have to understand that you just can't yield to those kind of things, okay? Now, let's, let's give you another reference on that, okay? And out of uh, James 1, I think it's a good one, uh, you know, probably maybe one of the better ones for this. Uh, but James 1, please. And I'm going to go to like verse, uh, let's see here, verse 13. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. That would be a no-no. Don't think that God's ever leading you down some road to cause you to fall or, you know, to, to yield to some temptation. God would never do that, okay? It says that, do not say I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, okay? And a lot of times that stuff gets said, but it's, it says specifically, do not say that stuff, okay? Because that's not true. God wouldn't do that to anybody, all right? But, he explains what happens. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In other words, they, it talks about lustful longings here, okay? So each one is tempted when he's drawn away. In other words, here we go again, gone astray, drawn away, uh, and all of a sudden now everything, your, your attention, come on, everything, your, your focus now is no longer on God. Now it's, you're being drawn away uh, after these things again. Come on. And it says, then when desire has conceived. In other words, you, you kind of look at that, you focus on that more, your heart goes toward that more and more. Pretty soon you value it more, you give it more attention, and next thing you know then, it begins, it says here, it will it'll create this desire. Come on now. So desire has conceived. Okay, so now it's taken root, it's taken hold. Okay, and then it says it gives birth to sin. Okay, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. In other words, that it's what's gonna. That's what he said to the children of Israel. They they always they always you know lust after these evil things, these things that are always gonna do them harm. But somehow they get locked onto that stuff again. And next thing you know, they're going down that road again. Next thing you know, they're falling. And now here comes the condemnation, the guilt, because you've allowed that stuff into your life again, or you've slipped up again. That's how this stuff works. And it says, "Do not be deceived." my beloved brethren. So in other words, don't, don't be deceived about this. This is how the enemy works, okay? He's trying to get your attention off onto something else here, okay? So one of the keys, or we should say one of the things uh, that become a problem in the area here of causing our heart to sway is we lust after evil things, okay? That was their problem. So obviously it could be, it could be a problem that we give into. In fact, I, I kind of wrote down a statement here that temptation is nothing but a distraction or a wrong focus. Anytime you allow yourself in to be tempted, it's because you've allowed your you got your distraction off, your focus off. Okay, 
and now it's a wrong distraction, a wrong focus or, or whatever here, okay? So you just have to see that every temptation is nothing but a distraction, okay? Uh, you're distracted from what you should be focusing on, all right? So anyway, that's just a key. That's one of the things that they, uh, that they fell to. Back in 1 Corinthians 10, this time verse 7, it says, And do not become idolaters uh, as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat to drink, and to uh, rise up and play. Now, the point being made, now, the word idolater, okay, because that's the next one here, but it just means a servant or a worshiper of idols or images, okay? And most of the time, you know, we think about somebody that's an idol worshiper, uh, you know, that, okay, they, they bow to, uh, you know, um, you know, idols, in which they did do that. Remember the, the golden calf? They did yield to that. But in this text, it tells you a little bit more. It wasn't so much about, uh, the images or golden calf or the, uh, you know, carve this and a carve that that they're bowing down to is talking about themselves, okay? Because it says uh, that they sat down to eat and drink and rose, rose up to play. It was all focused on themselves. So the point being made was that they are a worshiper of themselves because it was all about them. That really was part of the problem, okay, why their heart went astray. It's because they were more, more about themselves, okay, this generation, okay. They were more about themselves. In fact, a reference on that is 2 Timothy 3, uh, and I'm going to probably, you know, we could say from like verse 2 to verse 4 in there, okay, it says this, that well, men, men would be lovers of themselves. And, of course, it lists several things, and then it wraps it up saying this, okay, uh, rather than lovers of God. Okay, and that's really the just of that text. The problem that happens is people become more of a lover of themselves rather than a lover of God, okay? And that's what happened to the children of Israel, okay? So it's also, you know, it could be a problem in anybody's life, okay? That you're more about you, so pretty soon you're more distracted. Your heart is, goes astray in certain areas because it's more about you instead of about Him, all right? So that becomes a problem. And then what happens is you don't enter into your promised land. Your heart now has gone astray, all right? Uh, so anyway, that's, that's, that's another one. Now, verse 8 of back in chapter 10, verse 8 now, it says, nor let us commit, here we go, sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell or died, okay? So what does that now? Committing sexual uh, immorality, okay? That word there means to indulge, the sexual immorality means to indulge in sexual relations outside of marriage. Okay, it refers to things like fornication, adultery, perversion. Okay, these are all things, but really it's just primarily dealing with sexual relations outside of marriage. Okay, and we could go in depth, all kinds of things that happen with that. But the bottom line, it's again a perversion. But what happened was, again, it's really about self again, about self-gratification. Okay, they were, they were going beyond the laws of God. Okay, so they were walking in, in a sense, in unlawful uh, relations. Okay, God says that don't do this outside of marriage, and of course, a lot of them were doing that. So what happens again, their heart went astray because of sexual immorality, because of this indulgence of the flesh. Okay, again, it is, it comes down to flesh, self, okay, your own flesh, okay, you're yielding to that. So that's another thing that they yielded to, all right? The word, now you get back here, verse 9, it says, nor let us tempt Christ, I'm talking about you and me, let us not tempt Christ as some of them also 
tempted God and were destroyed by serpents. So another thing here is this word tempted, okay, and of course referring to tempting God, talking about them, the word tempt means to test or to provoke, okay, they provoked God, okay, so let me give you a little bit of of some wording on that. In fact, if we go back to Psalm 78 again, it's probably some key verses in that. Psalm 78, this time, let's read out of verse 40, read a few verses here. It says, how often they, here we go, provoked him, there's that same word, provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again, or probably yes, again and again, they, here we go, tempted God, okay, and then they limited him, right, limited the Holy One of Israel. It says they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them. Now get this, this is key. Right? They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy or from the hand of the enemy, okay? So what's that mean? How did they do that? Well, in the same Psalm, verse, let's see, verse 19, I got that wrote down here says, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Okay, and then there's some things being mentioned about it. Another reference, okay, would be out of Exodus 17, okay. Um, The verse escapes me. I think it's like verse 7, but uh, I believe that's what it is. But it said, they tempted the Lord, saying, here we go, is the Lord among us or not? They, here we go, they tempted the Lord saying, okay, so they're, again, same thing seen in Psalm 78, okay, they, it was things they said, okay, they said, is the Lord among us or not? Now, if you go back to that reference out of Exodus, okay, the whole thing is, is, is playing out what he's talking about here in Psalm 78 and also what he's talking about uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, okay, and what, how they tempted God was by continually saying, you know, you know, can God really do this? Can God really do that? Uh, you know, they, they get delivered out of Egypt after 430 years of bondage, okay? So and not only did they get delivered out of all the miracles that happened for them to get out of there, the word said none feeble, there were none feeble among. In other words, God did creative miracles in, in all of them, so they had enough uh, the, uh, strength and the energy and the, and the, and the, you know, the, 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 the physical, uh, you know, everything they needed to be able to, to leave and to move toward where he called them unto the, unto himself there in the wilderness. Okay. They, they were none feeble among them. So we had all kinds of miracles that happened there. Then it said that they left. Okay. They literally plundered the Egyptians. They took all the riches and all the wealth and and uh, that for basically we'd like to say it's uh, 430 years of back wages <laughs> you know of all the slavery so literally they emptied uh, the egyptians of all their wealth in fact egypt has never been the same since okay because of what happened there okay so anyway so they come out with everything they come out healthy then they get to the will they get to uh, uh, to the edge of the wilderness they come to the sea the red sea what do we do? What do we do? God parts the Red Sea. They go over on dry ground. The, the Egyptian army now is following them because, you know, they want to, you know, one last ditch effort to try to kill the children of Israel. And God closes the sea in on the enemy. Okay, no more, no more enemy. No more army of, of, of their enemy. 
Okay, I'm just saying miracle after miracle after miracle. Remember, but they lost sight of it. They forgot about it. And now all of a sudden they're whining, okay, about, you know, where's God? Can God give us water here in this wilderness? Where's God? How can God? And God, of course, you know, they strike a rock and water pours out of a rock. Well, how are we going to eat? We're never going to have enough. This is, what, this is how they tempted God. Because it was through all this, uh, you know, this speaking out their mouth, you know, can God really, uh, you know, uh, get, build a table in, 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 in the wilderness? Can God really show up strong? One miracle after another he kept doing. Then we got manna coming from the sky. And, and you know, the, the word manna means what is it? So in other words, it's a, it's a substance that had all the nutrition uh, needed for them to survive on. Every night would rain that uh, down on them, and they'd have that to eat the next day. They still whine about stuff, so quail come through every day, so they had, you know, they could eat quail every day, manna, water from a rock. They constantly, constantly, constantly said, can God do this? Can God do that? Can God really do this? Can God really do that? And that's what he's talking about when he says how they constantly uh, tempted God uh, as they provoked him in the wilderness, constantly did. That's what they did. So you have to ask yourself, are you doing that? Because that's another way, right, that caused our heart, instead of saying, you know what, God, all things are possible with God, and all things are possible with those who believe. You know, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even ask or think, man. I mean, so, I mean, are you locked onto that, or are you over here talking all this other mess, okay? All right, are you speaking out, you know, can God really do that? You know, God, where's God? How come God? What? I mean, that, that was kind of the thing that happened with uh, Gideon. You know, he says, you know, where's God and, and all the miracles? We hear about it. We thought so, but I guess it doesn't going to happen. I guess it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened for me, so it must not be happening. And you just constantly talk that way. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not a way we should be talking as a child of God. If you want to enter into your promised land and, and possess your promises, you can't be talking that way, all right? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Back to, uh, back to 1 Corinthians 10. All right, let's maybe wrap this up here. 1 Corinthians 10 again. And let's look at verse now, um, verse 10 now of that chapter. It says, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So the last thing he mentions in this text is they complain, which is probably just kind of right in line with what we just got done talking about because that's what they did. They constantly complained. In fact, the scriptures say in Psalms 106 and verse 25, it says they complained in their tents, okay? They complained in their tents and did not give heed to the voice of the Lord. God constantly showed himself strong, constantly was in, you know, there to, you know, I was even thinking about this. I guess I can't ever get past it when I think about these children. Every day, there's a pillar of cloud, okay, in front of them. Every night, that pillar of cloud turns into a pillar of fire. I mean, they got constant reminder of the presence of God. They have the tent of meeting at any given time. People could go there and, 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 and to commune with God and fellowship with God as Moses did, even Joshua, we've seen many times through this series. Okay, that's what he did. Okay, anybody could do that. Uh, they would come out at times and t out of their tents, and they would act all spiritual, but then they would go right back into their tents, and they'd murmur, gripe, and complain. In fact, that's what that word complain means, to grumble, murmur, and it refers to being 
displeased, disgruntled, dissatisfied, unhappy, irritated. And these might be some words that explain you, okay? And so you have to ask yourself, are you, you know, in a sense, in your tent, you know, complaining, okay? Because complaining has never got anybody anywhere, okay? So complaining is never going to move somebody into their promised land. Instead, it's going to be a roadblock, okay? In fact, the Scripture says in Philippians 2, in verse 14, do all things, come on now, do all things without complaining and disputing, all right? And that's a key uh, for uh, you and me, is to stay clear of complaining, all right? You know, there's a lot of times things maybe don't happen and manifest the way you want, or or maybe we could say as fast as we want, because sometimes, you know, that's part of it. Sometimes just timing things. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, there's there's more to the story. You know, sometimes there's there's other people involved. Sometimes there's other situations involved, okay? But what happens is if you don't watch it pretty soon, your heart goes astray because you're too busy complaining, okay? Or you can go to any one of these things we talked about today. And I granted, I know there's this isn't probably one of those messages that, you know, get up and run around the house, you know, cheering and, and, and worshiping and praising. It's more of this kind of this, you know, take a look inside kind of this take heed to self kind of message. But you have to understand if we're going to possess our promised land, you know, we don't want our heart to go astray. We don't want all these kind of things to cause us to be distracted and sidetracked Come on, gone astray or cause our heart to roam from God instead of staying locked on, set, steadfast, and faithful unto God, all right? Because this is a key. If we're going to possess our promised land, we can't let our heart uh, give way to these kind of things, yield to these kind of things. So I'm just going to ask you, praise God, you know, uh, as, as a pastor, praise God. I'm, I'm telling those that I have the privilege of pastoring, those that are, you know, just listening and watching and learning and gleaning today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you today that if these things are areas in your life that you struggle with, praise God, this is the time to take authority over it. Amen. Stand uh, your ground. Don't let that stuff cause your heart to sway. Amen. Stay locked on to God. I guarantee you, praise God, if you will stay focused on God, stay locked on the, onto, the, onto your God, I guarantee you, praise God, things will turn. You will enter in, praise God, and possess your promised land, praise God. So again, the next roadblock we talked about is uh, not allowing our heart to sway uh, from uh, the Lord, all right? So anyway, that was a problem for them. So I hope you got something today, child of God. Hallelujah. Father, we give praise and glory once again for the word of God. We're so thankful for these principles. Uh, Lord, just help grow us up, praise God. I thank you, Lord, uh, people, Lord, they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and again, opening the eyes of our understanding that we can see these things, uh, take note, praise God, uh, make adjustments and changes, whatever is necessary, and I give you the praise and the glory for it. Thank you, Lord, for a people of God that refuse to allow their heart to sway from you. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I call you blessed, child of God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.